Welcome to the EFTM F1 podcast with Trevor Long, Harry Tucker and Connor McNally. Thanks to KO Sports, all the F1 action live, all season long. That's right, every single moment of Formula One from practice to qualifying to race time and all the wrap-up and previews are live on KO Sports uh, using the Sky Sports coverage from across in Europe, and it's awesome to, to watch. That's what we've just been doing for the Singapore Formula One Grand Prix for 2022. We're back. Formula One's had a little break, and we're back. Connor McNally alongside Harry Tucker and myself, Trevor Long. Harry, uh, KO Mini or full race for you, mate? Definitely going to go Mini for this one. Not even mm. close. Okay, Connor? Yeah, initially I thought it was going to be the YouTube highlights, but yeah, Mini <laughs> as well. Way to support the sponsors. Well, I, here's, I'll go one step further than that even and say I was going to say, you know what, I think we'll probably cover everything you need to know right here in, in the first five minutes. Uh, I don't think you need to watch anything. But you're, just, it, you're just knocking it, Connor for saying YouTube. I know. That's what I said. I'll just go one step further. Um, but, but with that said, it, it turned it around a little and the highlights I reckon are going to be crackers. I reckon it'll be a good highlights package for this one, the Singapore Grand Prix. We... Uh, we ended the race uh, with Sergio Perez uh, taking the top step of the podium subject to a post-race investigation over a safety car infringement. As we say regularly, we record this literally straight after the race. The, the podium presentations have not even begun, so there have been occasions where there's been adjustments to the placement places, but I'd like to think that he won't be stripped of that win ahead of Charles Leclerc and uh, Carlos Sainz, Lando Norris, and Daniel Ricciardo in fifth, boys. It was a rainy, rainy Singapore weekend. The race was delayed. The race start was delayed by an hour. Um, I'm kind of okay with that, but Jesus, it's late now, and it makes me regret it. At this point, I wish they had to sped things up. But it was a slow start, and I think, Harry, the, the talk of the start is just Max Verstappen had a shocking anti-stall back to 12th. It was a bad, bad, bad start for him. Yeah, he basically just did not get off the line and, and he was sort of, he'd already starting behind there in eighth and yeah, he, he's, I mean, not to skip too far ahead, but he, he finished where he started. Um, so yeah. it was a bit of a, a nothing when you look at the paper at the end of the day for him, even though there was quite a bit that actually ends up happening for him in between the race. He would end up, I think, looking back at that as a disappointment, not that he didn't win the championship because that was the most ridiculous talk, talk of the whole weekend because... Really, it was such a long bow to draw. Uh, this mathematical equations that people like to like to come into these weekends with, but you know, I, I think there's there's going to be some regret there. We'll talk about in terms of just general point scoring. Um, Vettel had a reasonable start up to eight. Daniel did well Daniel, to get up yeah. to thirteen. Mm. Thought it was a pretty good look there, Connor. And you know, it was a pretty tidy start overall, apart from Max's, um, you know, struggles off the line. Well, I think everyone expected it, that it was going to be chaos, but given that the track was, you know, quite greasy, there had been a lot of rain, you know, in that hour before the start of the race. So, yeah, it was a very clean start for, by everyone's standards, and that surprised a lot of people. I was hoping for a little bit of chaos, but the <laughs> chaos happened later on in the race, not at the beginning of the race. So, uh, but... And look, it was a very clean start, but it was a very good start by Checo. Checo had a mm. tremendously good start, whereas Verstappen, the anti-stall almost kicked in, and that was just pretty much the, the run of his race. You know, he was basically stuck down the bottom of the top ten for the rest of the race from that point on. And I want to—I don't like bagging commentators because it is a tough job when you're live and you're just trying to, you know, freestyle it. But 
you know, Crofty, that wasn't close to being Checo's best win. Um, it was his fourth win. Um, I don't think he could go past his first win in the Racing Point, Harry, as his best win. I mean, and, unless he comes mm. from behind again, um, he's in a, he's in strong machinery. He he, he should have won this race, uh, all in all. So, do you agree that that's it's a good win? It's great, fourth win, well yeah. done. But it's it doesn't mm. come to rival the the Racing Point win. No, not at all. Like I didn't even, you know, if you think about driver of the day, I don't think I would have even considered him in there. Like we no. saw throughout the races that went that even in these cars, um, it was particularly hard to overtake. And I think that was probably more due to the fact that we didn't get a sort of second line for people to be able to take throughout, uh, to be able to overtake. But so he yeah. had a pretty cruisy run. Like he just, he yeah. basically just need to stay on track. <laughs> um, uh, Connor, you mentioned the, the start that, Checo had. I think it's to his and Charles Leclerc's credit that they pulled out in a gap. Like it was three laps in and they had a four second gap. They, mm. they they did very well to pull out in front. You've got to remember with all the drivers started on inters here. Um, so this was a wet race with no DRS and we'll talk about that in a bit because I want to, you know, kind of address that. But, you know, it, it was impressive to see how far out they could get ahead of the rest of the field in Challenging circumstances. Yeah, and they they actually drove quite sensibly, if truth be told. They mm. actually drove to the conditions, and they drove with quite a bit of clout as well. So for for Checo and Perez, and even Sainz for that matter, to, to establish that gap at such an early stage of the race, whilst battling you know, quite treacherous conditions for basically most of the race, they drove very, very sensibly, and I think they should be applauded for that, because that, that, was, that was both not only... Brave, but very good driving as well. They all I think it's, it. I think it's weird to even suggest this, but Sebastian Vettel actually came close to being driver of the day in pretty poor machinery. Mm. He just did well to have pace and make it hard to pass him. You know, he was in the early start stages here. He was holding Max up uh, on like lap seven. Max was pushing through to eighth or ninth, and you know, Vettel was doing a really good job of getting pace in, in the right parts of the circuit, Harry, that mm. I think showed through most of the most of the whole race in the end because he was still there at the end. Yeah, yeah, he ended up uh, finishing pretty well. It, it's funny when you see some of these tracks where, you know, some of these guys are just clearly so much more comfortable there than they mm. are in others. And obviously, Seb's got his history on this track, has been very successful here. And it just sort of showed. And I think we've seen it probably with Fernando um, at a couple of places as well where he, he's just super comfortable there and and outperforms the machinery that he's in. Um, I think that was a bit of what Vettel did today. But also in saying that, um, Mr. Stroll didn't do too bad either. Mm. Yeah, I mean, you've got to give him credit. Um, mm. That car obviously didn't dislike this circuit. It wasn't suited perfectly. but And also they just played a straight game. And I think that's an interesting thing here, Connor, is if you think about the the results – the people that had struggles actually just kind of basically pushed a bit too hard. They pushed too hard into a corner. They pushed too hard when they went on to slicks. There was moments where it was essentially brain fades that cost drivers moments in this race. Very much. Uh, you look at Williams, for example. Brain fades for Latifi. Brain Has he fades- got a brain? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't think he does. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, you just go, oh, here we go again, fucking Latifi. But then you go Joe Guanyu, and look, Joe was very unlucky. That yeah. was just, you know, wrong place at the wrong time. Uh, Esteban, you know, engine failure for him. Same for Alonso. I mean, the, mo- those mechanical failures, I mean, for, for cars like Alpines, they shouldn't be having, you know, back-to-back failures like that. And yeah. 
there's going to be a lot of soul surging. I've and no doubt they'll be taking grid penalties at, in Japan next weekend. So, you know, there's just little things that you know that are starting to creep in. And we look at Yuki for example. Yuki he had a massive brain fade. He he basically, he basically un- didn't didn't slow down. No, he hit the wall at quite a bit of a velocity, and uh, luckily he didn't push the wall back any further than he did. So. Um, yeah, it's just yeah, just quite a few moments where understeer it, like there was quite a few drivers, even for Stappen and Hamilton, like even the best drivers made a number of key errors tonight, and a lot of them were understeers, and not just because of the fact that the track was slippery, but just the fact that the tires were not warm mm-hmm. enough, and I don't think, and I think they underestimated um, the grip ability of those intermediates. I feel. Like this is probably the the most retirements we've had in a, in a long time too. I think uh, two, mm. four, six. So Jaguenu, Latifi, Alonso had a failure. Albon um, went into the wall and then I don't know retired badly again. Ocon failed. Uh, Sonoda. It's a lot of cars out, Harry. For the like, I don't remember that happening. Has that happened this year? I don't think. Uh, I think maybe one at the start of the year, but but either way, they were all people we could not give a shit about. Like yeah. it was. It was each one of those those safety cars or, or retirements, I guess, were just really inconsequential people in the race. Like, I mean, I guess you could maybe argue Fernando, but outside of that, it was just sort of a bit annoying more than anything. Yeah, Because um, yeah. you just kept getting these virtual safety cars where no one could do anything and mm. it was already a race where not much was happening. Yeah. Um, so, normally I'm a fan of that, of the, of the old retirement, but, but not this time. So I ran through the top five. The, the, from there on, it was Lance Stroll in sixth, Max Verstappen seventh, Vettel in eighth, Lewis Hamilton ninth, and Pierre Gasly rounded out the ten. Bottas, Magnussen, Schumacher, George Russell were the, the final um, uh, places. It, it, around lap 14, I'm already having trouble. It's one mm. something in the morning. I'm struggling to be awake. I'll be honest. I definitely drifted off moments there. I, at one point, I went, I've got to set an alarm so that I don't miss the end of this race. And it was only because my son was watching with me and there was a few, oh, and ah, that I kind of jolted awake. It was a struggle. <laughs> it was around that early stage. And you've got to remember, it was very clear we were going to have a timed race here. happens often in Singapore. So we knew it was going to end around 2 a.m. Um, uh, Sydney time. Um, and, and so, it was a, it, mate, it was a real struggle. When Fernando went out, it was another safety car, virtual safety car. George then goes out on slicks, and this is when it gets kind of, okay, this could be interesting. Under, under virtual safety mm-hmm. car, Connor, George goes on a slicks, but he is slipping and sliding like he's at Wet n' Wild. Yeah, and he said that he just had no grip, and he, he was starting to regret that decision. But I think he had to be the guinea pig for the rest of the field. Someone just, did, yeah. Yeah, and not just for Mercedes. I mean... George was in basically no man's land for the entire race. As soon as he started from the rear of grip due to that uh, engine change, uh, he was fighting an uphill battle, particularly in the conditions. So mm. Mercedes had to, probably had to do the wiser thing and make him the guinea pig for the rest of the race. And look, in the end, the, the, the decision to go on to Slicks was the right one, but I think that call was probably a little too early. It was a bit early, but it proved useful data for every team, as always yeah. the guinea pig does. But... I think it's more for Lewis. But well, yeah. I was just going to say... George, it, was, he was out of there. He was not doing anything. He, he was, was out of it. Yeah. It wasn't going to be a, a sudden turnaround it, 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 unless it happened at a slightly different time at a safety car or something. But the the thing that blew my mind was Lewis Hamilton Harry <laughs> went straight into a, into a tech, co, tech pro barrier. Straight in. And it looked like, oh, this is bad. Reverses out 
and continues with yeah. like damage, but very minimal given the way he hit that wall, don't you reckon? That was that happened to someone else earlier. Was yes, it, was I, I it can't Alban, remember what it was. Maybe? Yeah, it was Albon. It was Albon. And it was, and he ended up. He ended up retiring, but it was because it was not because of his because of the wing or anything. It was his engine just just died yeah, or something else. It was. Yeah, but he's yeah, he's completely fine. Like whatever those barriers were made out of, they seem to be different to any other barriers because yeah, they, they were just going plowing directly into them. And I think Yuki was probably the only one who came out with significant damage. Well, that's because he went in at full speed. Um, well, well, Lewis eventually did need the front wing change, but he got like the full lap around with it without it really coming off, I guess. Mm, because the, the cool thing here is you've got this kind of, um, you know, everyone's switching here. You know, Leclerc switches to slicks, Perez follows and doesn't have a problem with the undercut because the the slicks really took time to warm up and there was never going to be an undercut potential. In fact, the mm. overcut was a better better approach. That's when Yuki went into the barrage and we got a full safety car. And at that point, I went, wait a minute. Lando's in fourth. Daniel's in sixth or something. And Six, yeah. they're, they're going to get the benefit here of pitting under safety car. They didn't have to double stack, even though they were kind of behind each other on the track. There was enough gap. And we've got now both McLarens on slicks along with the rest of the field, but in a really decent position, Connor, and that – it's kind of the best thing that's happened to Daniel in Formula One this year. Absolutely. He needed something good to basically try and lift his spirits in, in what has been a pretty horror season for Dan. And given that his future in Formula One is very much on the outer at the moment, and there's rumours of him looking at maybe taking a reserve driver's role at, yeah. at Mercedes, which I think is we'll, a step We'll talk backwards. about that shortly, yeah. Yep. Um, yeah, for him to get a top five result, that will give him a massive confidence boost. And maybe a bit of an up yours to McLaren as well, that he could still be competitive against the likes of Norris. Yeah, well, I don't think it's a massive up yours because he was 30, 26 seconds behind yeah, ma- Norris. Maybe not. The end, maybe and not. He was but, on softer tyres. Well, but I, I do think he was told to, to keep it chill there and just keep a certain gap in front of Stroll and not worry about anything else. But oh, and, yeah. and yeah, bring it home. That's, yeah. that's the thing. Bring yeah. it home. Because at that point, you've got to remember for the team, and we'll get to the points, but you know, you've got two Alpines out. And mm. so it's critical for McLaren to yeah, bag as many points as they can. So that, that'll, be, that'll be fascinating when we go through the points. But the best thing that happened in this race, because I love um, the, the tall poppy syndrome, um, <laughs> is Max on the restart after that very safety car. Harry, wow. I mean, that's just why be so aggressive on the first turn? Well, I think he, he's probably, you know... He's got nothing to lose, right? Like he, even though mm. he's not going to win the championship that race because he needed to beat uh, Leclerc by twenty something points, which basically meant Leclerc didn't couldn't score any points. Um, what? Yeah, he's got nothing to lose. Go yeah, for but it. if you got nothing to lose, you just you bide your time. You That's take a, it when you can get breed, it, as opposed to on the breed. first big opportunity. They're not lucky like enough. <laughs> they take yeah. risks that we wouldn't in a million years. That's why we're talking risks. about them. Yeah, that's true. That's very, very true. But it was a massive lock-up, and it was clear from the... Yeah, it was pretty bad. As soon as you saw it, he's going to have to come in, and that's going to put him back again, and that's what that's what we're talking about earlier, where he ends up going back to the back of the pack and um, and needing to, needing to fight his way back through to the place he started the race. So in the end, you can't... It, it, that was the most excitement of the race, and I think that it will package together in the KO highlight very well as a... You know, probably 10 minutes or 15 minutes of the race that will stand out. But the, the five to 10 minutes before it in the highlights and the five mm. to 10 minutes afterwards, the 10 minutes afterwards will look okay because essentially what we had there was um, 
uh, Perez and Leclerc doing fairly decent work staying together and battling, but never really getting close enough. It was like Perez had just enough um, straight line speed naturally to be able to fight, and I think that's what got them through. The thing that I th- that I want to raise though is the DRS situation. So, Connor, the, we didn't get DRS until I don't know it was a timed race. So let's call it the last fifteen twenty minutes. Mm. Um, that seemed ridiculously uh, overcautious from from race control. Yeah, I have to agree there. I think they should have. Hap- I think they should have introduced yeah uh, the DRS. As soon as the safety car, well, obviously do the first two you laps. Didn't know lap, yeah, a couple yeah, laps. Yeah, and then introduce it. But they waited more than two laps. And you're right, I think it was around the last 15 to 20 minutes of the race. But they should have, by then, everyone was on slicks. So they should have reintroduced mm. the DRS after those first two laps when the safety car pulled into the pit. So, so, so is, should DRS be linked specifically to slick tyres, yeah? Well, if it's a safety issue, if the track is too dangerous or whatever, then what are they doing on slicks? Like yeah, it's no. not a, yeah. so, so here's my question. In that situation, if 50% of the field's on slicks and 50% are on inters, can, can, shouldn't DRS be enabled for only those on slicks? No, just turn it all on. Like the whole – this race I think was – actually, I think about it. It's quite a sad day for Formula 1 in general. Mm. So, Mm. for one, the race was delayed because it was wet, but it wasn't even raining at this point. They've got a full set of proper wet tyres there they don't use. So We never saw the wet tyre come out. Like, that's ridiculous. Are we never going to be racing in the rain ever again? Because it certainly feels like that's that's the way it's going, that that is just not going to be a thing. Well, here's the thing. Lewis Hamilton was whinging on the the race radio to, to his pits soon after the race started, saying that he wanted to race on the full wets, and Mercedes engineers switched the tyres that he was going to start on to a set of intermediates, and he was absolutely filthy with the team at that point. He's mad. That would have been stupid. Let's be honest. Different scenario. But it was no, just, you think- yeah. Oh, yeah, I don't think in, in the way it ended up, it wouldn't have been right. But no, you know, right. if the race was to start at the time it should have started, then, then definitely. And, yeah, you know, the, the, this, is, this is the thing. Uh, it was pouring rain, right? There was, there's no doubt. But what's but the point of having yeah. full wet tyres... If we're not going to exactly. use them and mm. race, and yes, like, there's big the rooster thought. tails. Yes, there's a lot of water, but that's the whole point. Yeah. Yeah, I absolutely. Get, I get that there's cost caps now, and they're all probably worried about, you know, crashing and having to, having to build another chassis and whatever, and that's expensive. But it's the freaking sport, right? Like, if, if you, you know, what's the point? Like, if you're not going to be able to have these wet t- if you have these wet tires there, if they're never going to be used, because they just yeah. simply aren't. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. It makes no sense to me why rain is a problem for the sport. Um, All of a sudden, if if you're if you're racing places where rain sits on the track, uh, regrade the track, mm. resurface the track. Like it should flow off, and if it's not flowing off, then do something about the track, not not the sport. Like this is the yeah. this is the weird thing about it. And I think at a place like Singapore, it seemed to be draining pretty well. There was a couple of places, but. I don't know. That's just a very, dry, very frustrating though. part of it. But even though it doesn't make a difference for, for that situation. Like the humidity obviously got in the way of, of that that sort of... But that's, that's, that's like super shallow water. That's not anything the wets would have got been used with anyway. But that's the oh, whole point. Is the wets would... It. The wets also clear... And I think yeah. my son often, he watches enough Formula on YouTube, he says that you know, every, every... What is it? Every metre, every second, they clear 80 litres of water or whatever Correct. it is. Correct. Ridiculous. Like... They do a good job of clearing the water. Put them out on safety car 
at a bit of speed, and they'll clear a bit. They'll clear a bit of water. So you know, there's there's a solid gripe um, from all of us on on the sport generally, and you know they sh- that's what they should be talking about uh, in the paddock rather than talking about you know cost caps and Red Bull and driver movement all that. Just can we talk about how we go racing more often and mm. more frequently and without delays like that? Because that delay, I can tell you right now, it'd be fascinating to sit in Fox Sports KO headquarters to be able to see how. At you know after the NRL grand final, this was a sports night, right? It, mm. The NRL grand final ends at nine thirty. You switch straight to the F one. You could have had people all the way through the night, but I was sticking it out for this. I'm here for the podcast, right? I would have gone to bed. <laughs> There's no doubt in my mind. Oh, I would have yeah. gone to bed. I'm like, you know what? One hour delay could be longer, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So they lose people, and I think that would show across the world. And while they brag about their at track. Um, crowd numbers being records, which is great for this year because the first year back, I'm not sure it'll be consistent, but we'll see next year. That it's it's how the sport works on TV that matters most. That's where the that's, that's where the money, the money comes from. Mm. So there's a, there's a lot to talk about there. Anyway, um, if you uh, if you want to catch up on it all, you can get the KO highlights. Just just go to KO Sports. You can get a seven day free trial if you haven't already tried it out. You're mad. Get it now. Have a look. Plenty of sport there. Um, cricket obviously coming up and uh, and plenty of other motorsport. Bathurst next weekend, J- Japanese Formula 1 Grand Prix next weekend. It's a massive weekend of motorsport next weekend on KO Sports. So check it all out for all the all the action from the track live and even split screen. So that's what I'll be doing next week with Bathurst. And then in the corner, I'll have the Formula 1 and I'll switch between them and we'll see how that all goes. Boys, before we get to the the standings, I want to talk about the, the two kind of topics of interest. And one of them we, we touched on there uh, Connor, Daniel Ricciardo, hmm. 2023. Um, it does seem very clear that he doesn't want to, you know, kind of has drive, um, and it looks like he's going to take a year off. Does does being the Mercedes reserve driver just look good on his resume? Does it <laughs> does it give him any hope of coming back, Harry? Uh, like I just uh, this is something that really makes me realise that maybe I don't understand how all these movements work. Yeah. Because I can't comprehend why that reserve driver role would be Matters. a good move. Yeah, because yeah. as soon as, you know, there's a lot of people waiting to get in the sport. And it definitely feels like it's one of these periods where if you get out, it's very unlikely you're going to get back in. Absolutely. Um, so, why waste your time doing the reserve driver role? Why not go, you know, go, go do your American dream? Like, that's clearly, I think, where it looks like he's going to eventually mm. end up. But Yeah. Yeah. What do you I think, still, Connor? I still believe... The US is the way to go for him. I, I don't understand why he would even comprehend to do a reserve driver role for, for Mercedes. I think it's a massive step backwards and it's probably the wrong move for his career. And I think regardless if he does take a reserve driver role or if he takes a year off, once you're out of a full-time drive, there's very unlikely a chance you'll get back into a full-time drive. I know there's been some exceptions. I mean, look at Nico Hogenberg. Well, they're, still, they're talking about him coming back, and we'll talk about the spare seats in a minute. But the fact is that there's a couple of positives. I've, I've tried to look at it from a positive point of view. And go, okay, mm. so the the challenge is if you accept a reserve driver role, there's a responsibility of being a at and b available for all the races, right? So because you see him sitting there in the paddock and they're just waiting, right? But there's also sim time and all that kind of stuff, which would be good. Um, I don't know that he would get FP1 sessions, uh, but maybe. Yeah. Maybe Toto would give him one just to prove himself. Uh, 
But the problem with doing that is it excludes you from any regular racing anywhere else in the world. So Mm. that doesn't allow him to do the American dream thing. So he's he's either going to be American dream or he's going to be moving on Um, because you're right, coming back is hard in the top end. Now, Mm. let's actually not talk about next year's open seats. Let's go a year ahead of that and go maybe he's thinking, maybe him him and his manager are thinking long term and going, right, well, how long has Bottas got? in the sport how long is yuki guaranteed that drive like have a look at all the seats and go how many of them are going to fall out at the end of next year and therefore there's there's going to be a lot of young drivers at the end of next year but how many of them are going to actually fill formula one seats that are available because i think we might have Mm. as many seats next year as we do this year if not more so maybe there's some strategy to that part of it staying in the paddock staying relevant I just don't know how you prove yourself because yeah. his, 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 what do they say, his copybook is blotted by 2022 in terms of results and performance and stuff. Unless he leaves McLaren with some freakish result by the end of the year, I'm just not sure that it pays off for him being no. around the sport for another year. He may as well walk away and, um, you know, make money in America as, as I think he probably could better than nearly any other driver on the grid. So... That, 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 that's where I, I sit on it. And I think then that leads us to 2023 spare seats. So well, t- well, he should take a, take a leaf out of Kevin Magnuson's book, go and do Indy for a year and come back. Like yeah, like, he, he, didn't, he didn't need to be uh, a reserve driver. No. No, yeah. absolutely not. Look at what he did. He did sports car racing for a year, and then he gets a call up when uh, Mazepin uh, got given the boot. So, mm. you know, stranger things have happened. You know, he, it could be the blessing in disguise for Dan that he goes to America, does NASCAR or IndyCar, and then suddenly a seat comes up and they offer it to him and he, he'll take it with with both hands. So, you know, stranger things have happened, as I said. Let's straw poll this. Um, uh, Alpine, uh, do we all agree that Pierre Gasly is going to be in that seat next year? Yes. It's indicating that way. That's I'd be surprised if it went a different answer, way. Harry. Or not, okay. Indicating that way. Yeah, I know. That was bad. As soon as I said it, I realised it. <laughs> oh, gee. Come on, make up your mind. Get off the fence. Yeah, I know. Um, I'd be surprised if it was anyone else. Williams, is that, is that Logan Sargent? Ooh. No. Not a guarantee. Ooh. Not Who a guarantee. I reckon it's Nick DeFries. On the basis of what he did in Monza, he's very much a stronger option. I found it interesting watching um, pre-quali, there was an interview with him and Martin. He manages himself. So he doesn't really? have a manager. It's not Toto or, you know, he doesn't have wow. any of that going on. So that's how he's had that flexibility, um, which I think is fascinating because mm. it's not like he's being placed and moved. He's just making decisions on his own. So that is a fascinating one and I, I think um, probably helps him look pretty strong, but what about Alpha Tauri? Um, mm. Who, yeah, who, I, I think... They haven't really got anyone on the... I think Alpha Tauri is where Nick DeFries goes. You reckon you go to Alpha Tauri? Yeah. I reckon Helmut wouldn't mind a, better seat. a little yeah, handshake with him, and I think Helmut would look at him. So you've got to remember, Helmut's looking at going, we don't have anyone really yet to come into Alpha Tauri, let alone into Red Bull. So... If you had Nick DeFries and he's good, let's say he's good, right, and he races two years in AlphaTauri, maybe he's Checo's replacement at Red Bull beside Max mm. in, you know, three years, two years. And that and would mean he'd have to – the Dutch team. Yeah. That's right. And that would mean he would also have to relinquish all of his Mercedes obligations. You know, so that means he would he'd have a stipulation in his contract. He would never 
drive for Mercedes in his career whilst he's with Red Bull. So, mate, he wouldn't give a shit about his Mercedes <laughs> obligations if he gets a full time Formula One drive. Mm. I, I, I think. So, see, I think I think Nick DeFries is more likely to be at Alpha Tauri, and I think that leaves you with a big open space at at Williams, which I don't know who you put there other than Logan Sargent. I think that's going to be it then, right? Yeah. And What's then what about Haas? Push, push, what, with do you keep share? Mick or do you, do you get some sort of Ferrari influence like Schwarzman? Or well, they're talking about Hulkenberg. Yeah, they were talking about Hulkenberg just before. But what are you getting out of Hulkenberg? Like he's, like he's not going to get you any further up the grid than Mick Schumacher, surely, and he's not going to get any better. Like it's, no. Oh, that's why I think it's madness to be talking about you know, such former drivers. I love uh, Hulk's cool, but I don't yeah. know why you'd want him back on the grid other mm. than if it's a financial decision. I'm not, not sure how that is. I just I don't, don't think Hulk. I just don't think Hulkenberg is going to make any impact now at this late late stage of his career. I mean, he's he's had a few goes, and you know it just hasn't really worked out for him in the end. So yeah, I think in in Haas's case, I think you might have to let Schumacher go. Although there is talk that you know maybe Schumacher might go to Alpha Tauri. Who knows? But I think I, I think you're right, Trev. I think you know, DeFries at Alpha Tauri might be a better option. So mm. I think Schumacher might be on the outer of Formula One, and you might have to bring maybe a Schwartzman in. I reckon that, that'll that, be announced before Japan. I reckon they'll get the um, those two seats sorted. Because isn't it fascinating? We've got five races to go, and we still haven't even come close to signing off on next year's grid, which is which is rare at this time of the year. Yeah, usually done by it. Mid-break, pretty much, right? Yeah, <laughs> pretty yeah, much, that's, yeah. That's when it's normally done, yeah. So, you know, I think it's cool. I think it's cool that it's fascinating with those movements. I think that'll make for a fun Drive to Survive episode as well, <laughs> um, which is a weird way to think about it, but that is the world we live in, and um, and that's the, that's where it's going to be. All right, Connor, where are we at on the Constructors World Championship points at this point uh, of the season? Constructors Championship, well, Red Bull still have a dominant lead. They're about, uh, oh, geez, almost, over 140 points ahead. So they're 576 points to Ferrari's uh, 439 points. So I would say that will wrap up the Constructors Championship within the next two to three races. It, it'll get to a point that it will become impossible for Ferrari to win. Mercedes, well, they really lucked out this evening, 373 points, but they still remain in third place. In fact, that's the top three right now. I don't think there's going to be any change in the top three. Impossible, yep. Yeah. McLaren do manage to get ahead of Alpine. Those points that they got this evening and Alpine getting nothing have helped them move themselves back up into fourth position, 129 to 125, which means the battle for fourth in the Constructors' Championship will be very, very close in the remaining five races. Alfa Romeo, six on 52, Aston Martin, 37, Haas on 34, equal now with Alfa Tauri and Williams on six points. Williams that's just a big jump it. for Aston. That, that went from ninth to seventh. That's yeah, that's dollar amounts at the end of the season. That's Absolutely. huge dollars. You know, um, I think that's what we kind of lose track of is those bottom place teams are battling for millions of dollars just with simple results like tonight. That's why Seb and Lance's results, like Lance's, you know, six. That was a huge result mm. for the team. So. Um, sadly, as much as I would have loved it, uh, Daddy's not getting rid of Lance for next season. So anyway, driver standings, Connor. Driver standings. I think Max will wrap up the title next round in Japan. He'll I'm wrap sick it up of hearing about it. 
I know, but it's but it's it's just likely that's going to happen. Three hundred forty-one points. He's basically now a hundred and four points ahead of Charles Leclerc on two hundred thirty-seven. Who's only two points ahead of Sergio Perez on two hundred thirty-five. But I can tell you that he has been summoned to the stewards in about uh, twenty-three fifty-five uh, Singapore time. So that should be about now, actually, that he's been summoned to the. Yeah, stewards. he's standing out the front of the stewards uh, right now. So what's interesting is. Um, after Japan, there's four races. Uh, race win is 25 points, and let's say you get the, the fastest lap each race, 26 points. Max just needs a lead of, what, 104 out yep. at the end of Japan. So he just needs to finish ahead of, I think, I don't know the maths, but I, I would suggest he just needs to finish ahead of Charles Leclerc in Japan to win the world title. Pretty much, yeah. yeah. Because it'd be four races after that at 25 yeah. points a pop. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Continuing on, George Russell is now ahead of Carlos Sainz only by a point, 203 to 202. So the battle for fourth is going to be very, very close. Lewis Hamilton on 100. Big trophy for fourth. Oh, yeah, I know. But Lewis Hamilton, 170 points, 70 clear of Lando Norris on 100. Then it's Esteban Ocon on 66, Fernando Alonso on 59, and Valtteri Bottas on 46 points. And Daniel Ricciardo, almost out of the top 10, he's only... 29 points in the 11th position. So those points have really helped him. Yeah, I don't think it's helped him much really generally. Not much, but, no. Um, I hope he puts something in his contract to pay out to if McLaren gets fourth, he gets a cut of it or something because uh, that's, that's his job for the rest of the year is just to get them points and stay ahead of Alpine. I, I reckon that's his brief. That's his brief to leave the team with a smile is to just get us ahead of Alpine. That's all we want. That's all they need. That's all they're worried about. Yeah, I think absolutely. So. Uh, yeah, I'm very curious to you know it's not going to come out obviously for a few years, but to to hear what that sort of arrangement was. Well, fascinating. I mean, mm. it's fly on the wall stuff that you kind of always love to know, but yeah, tough tough to understand. But one day maybe we'll understand the full mechanics of it. But uh, that'll be a book that someone will have to read to me. Um, <laughs> the Japanese Formula One Grand Prix is uh, qualifying. Is at five PM next Saturday afternoon. That's same exciting. time as the sh- same time as the shootout as, as well. the That's top exciting. ten shootout for Bathurst. So split screen that on Ko, which is easy. Uh, choose the audio as you go. So just basically just ruin your uh, Saturday afternoon with just <laughs> and just tell your family to go away and uh, leave you alone because you're going to be screaming at the TV all all Saturday afternoon. And then on Sunday. Um, the race is at four o'clock now. Bathurst has had a little; uh, they've they've made that race start later and later, but the race gets shorter and shorter. It's a it's a fascinating thing. So you are going to be at the end of the race and end of Bathurst. You're going to be wanting to watch the start of the Formula One. So, but the good thing is, I think you split screen that by by the time Bathurst over, you'll be watching the the kind of second half of the Suzuka race, which is awesome. So, it's a massive weekend for uh, motorsport next weekend with the Honda Japanese Grand Prix and the Bathurst One Thousand. Live on KO Sports, um, we'll have the full coverage of the Formula One Grand Prix right here on the EFTM podcast. Thanks to KO boys. It's very early in the morning. <laughs> I'm going to get some sleep. I hope you do too. Thanks, boys, and talk to you next week after Japan. See you. Talk then.